Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Porter Gals presents Terrifying Tales. Hi, I'm Debbie. And I'm Allison. And we're... The Polter Gals. Spooky. <laughs> Christmas Ghost Story. Written by Nick DiMarantino. Published in 2022 by Northwest Corner Books. Chapter 15 Christmas Morning The Last Dream Gina, a voice so far away she could hardly hear it. Suddenly, she's running. She obeys at once. She always obeys that voice. The world is bright with sunshine, and she's five years old, and flowers are bursting open on every side. Huge blossoms, exploding with color as she runs through the gardens toward Nana's voice. She scampers down the sloping green lawn toward the leafy beanpoles and tall sunflowers peeking over the raspberry bearer, toward the old woman in the knitted pink sweater, standing in the crowded green rows of vegetables. Gina, she calls. I've got something to show you. She hurries as fast as she can, her little feet pattering down the rain-warped planks that crisscross the garden as walking paths. I want you to know all my secrets, says Nina. All the secrets of my garden. Gina gets closer and closer and is just about to see what Nana is waiting to show her when she discovers she isn't running anymore. She has gotten bigger and the garden smaller and Nana is no longer calling. Nana is gone. Gina is the one who is calling. Vito, Vito, someone is running toward her, a little figure moving through the leafy rose. She could hear a child's excited peal of laughter, a squeal of innocent glee. She is kneeling in the garden and opening her arms. Come here, Vito, whispers Gina. Vito. First light. Two churches in the neighborhood were stubborn enough and old-fashioned enough to ring in the morning with a joyful tolling and bonging. The bells woke her. Gina opened her eyes. It was Christmas Day. She blinked. Then the whole night came back to her in a rush. The most frightening night of her life. Yet, this morning, somehow, everything seemed different. Aaron was still asleep. She slid out from under his arm and padded barefoot across the cold wooden floor to the window. Outside, beyond the whitened vegetable garden, lay a stunned, snowbound city. The sky was pure, clear winter blue, without a single tumbling flake. The snow had finally stopped falling. Car wheels, grind, and chains had already begun clinking and grinding the street into a drivable slush. 
as she watched one early interpede bus scrambling bravely down Beacon Avenue. She hurried back to her warm bed and electric blanket. She could hear voices down the hall in the kitchen, the smells of coffee and bacon, the smells of reality. The night before had been filled with so many shocks and surprises that the world seemed strange and new. Had it all really happened? The secret room in the cantina, the discovery in the garden, an actual ghost right there in the house. So hard to believe. A very concrete fact sprawled peacefully beside her, half out of the tangled covers, softly snoring. Her errand was safe with her in bed. She didn't move for a while. She just watched him breathe. She placed the palm of her hand on her own warm belly. Somewhere under her fingertips, a seed was stirring with life. A seed planted by the man beside her, the man she loved, right there on the hard wooden floor of their bedroom on Halloween night. Gina thought about the baby and Aaron, about the dream and everything that had happened the night before. She cried so quietly that Aaron never heard her. She whispered, yes, Nina, I promise. She kissed him awake. Merry Christmas. He mumbled something incoherent and nuzzled up against her. How's your poor head? Hurts, he said. Would a kiss make it better? Yes, please. She applied the appropriate medicine. I'd like to spend all morning right here with you, she said. But we have a house full of guests. Our guests can wait a few more minutes, said Aaron. You and I have to talk. The child. Rachel was the first one to leave her guest room, dressed in her sister's pajamas. She bravely ventured downstairs, located coffee beans and a grinder, and got her sister's coffee maker gargling cheerfully. Need any help? Her father stood in the kitchen doorway, in t-shirt and sweatpants borrowed from Aaron. Merry Christmas, said Rachel. Think you were up to make toast? I can handle toast, said Sam. Any special instructions? Easy on the butter. When Barbara came down, she found her husband and daughter making coffee and toast together. A miracle. She gave them each a kiss on the cheek, a Merry Christmas, and busied herself on the other side of the kitchen making orange juice. They didn't realize Wally had joined them until they heard him in the corner, snickering as he sketched them, transforming them into a busy family of cartoon beavers. Rachel took a look, snorted, and hit him on the head. Who's that supposed to be? said Uncle Tony, grinning over his nephew's shoulder. A bald beaver? The moment he saw Tony in the kitchen, Sam put down the butter knife and crossed the room in three strides and embraced his brother. Merry Christmas, he said. I hope you can forget all the ugly things I said last night. What things? said Tony. He returned the hug. Merry Christmas, little brother. Barbara took a curious peek at her son's sketchbook. To her surprise, she burst out laughing. Is that supposed to be me? Her surprise doubled when Wally gave her a peck on the cheek. Merry Christmas, Mom, he muttered, intently returning to the work in his sketchbook. Her son had kissed her. Looks like we slept in, said Grandpa, as he and Grandma entered the kitchen. Not as late as our hosts, said Rachel. The door to Gina and Aaron's room was still closed. 
Let them sleep, said Grandma. Come on, Lou. Let's get some breakfast going. See if there's any bacon. I'll make scrambled eggs. I certainly hope the phone is working by now. Grumpy, but relieved to be back on her feet, Aunt Jo made her way to the breakfast nook, one hand pressed to her forehead. She at once dismissed the onslaught of questions. I don't want to talk about it, she said, with a disamedful wave. I've got a splitting headache. What a miserable night. That horrible wine and that bed. I have seldom been so uncomfortable in my life. You couldn't pay me to spend another hour in this dreadful house. Where's the coffee? She was clearly feeling improved. Just a bit of toast, dear, she said to Sam. I think I'm ready to call for my cab. The sooner I get home where I belong, the better. Don't leave yet, Aunt Jo. Gina and Aaron appeared in the kitchen doorway, both still in their bathrobes. We've got presents to open yet, said Gina, and we have something to tell you. She turned to Aaron. Do you want to tell them, or shall I? Actually, I'd like to tell them, said Aaron. He regretted the surrounding circle of faces with affection, unable to conceal his happiness. We want you to be the first to know. Your wonderful Gina has agreed to be my wife. The family converged on them. Gina and Aaron were engulfed in hugs and kisses, cries and laughter and tears of joy. And the baby, said Rachel. I think Nana made it pretty clear, said Gina, that if we want to live in her house and remain in one piece, we had better present her with her first great-great-grandchild. Her father started to cry and hugged her. Gina hugged him back. Better get ready to be a grandfather. Just how can you afford this baby? Asked Gloria bluntly. We'll do whatever we have to do, said Aaron. We may have to cut a few corners. Medical school may have to wait. My first grandchild, said Sam. Don't worry about medical school. You're now one of us. Money isn't going to be a problem, he chuckled. It's going to be a boy. I'm sure of it. Dad, groaned Rachel. You'll never change. If it is a boy, said Gina, then Aaron and I have already made a decision. His name will be Vito. The light bulb in the ceiling fixture exploded. Aunt Joe screamed. Bright, twinkling colors spilled toward them through the dining room arch. With gasps of alarm and concern, they abandoned breakfast and crowded toward the doorway, winking and sparkling. All the Christmas tree lights had snapped on without anyone touching the switch, blazing brightly. Something must be wrong with the lights again. The electricity has been fine all morning. Gina looked from one face to another of her family. No one wanted to say it out loud. Gina said it. Nana always loved a beautiful Christmas tree. Ursula had nothing to do with it, said Aunt Jo. Your dear Nana isn't here to turn on your Christmas lights. Of course not, said Aaron, putting his arm around Gina, drawing her closer. You can relax, Aunt Jo. There's no reason to worry. It's just a fault in the electrical system. Gina smiled. You know these old houses. Be sure to follow us on Facebook or on YouTube at The Porter Gals or on Instagram at The underscore Porter Gals. You can also find us wherever you get your podcast or at roguemedianetwork.com.
You've been listening to The Poltergals, a Rogue Media Network podcast. This has been a Rogue Media podcast. Podcast.